Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to another episode of the Dope Black Women podcast. I'm Leanne Levers, and today we're speaking with two professional women athletes who are doing amazing things in their respective sports. Danusha Francis and one of our own dope black women, Kapari. Hi, thank you so thank much, you so for, much having for having us. <laughs> um, so just to quickly introduce you to the audience, although I'm sure in your respective sports, you're both very well known. Um, you know, I'm really excited to have both of you on actually, because both of you play or compete at in sports that I am a huge fan of, a huge fan of gymnastics. I grew up watching gymnastics at the Olympics when I was younger with my dad and the rest of my family, it was like, um, so Danusha, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, so I started gymnastics when I was five and um, saw it at the 2000 Olympics when I was six and kind of loved the seeing sport that I was obsessed with at that point on TV and kind of made it my dream at that point to go to the Olympics. Obviously, as a five-year-old, six-year-old, I didn't know if I had the potential, but once I kind of knew I did as I got older and um, was sort of talent scouted and made the GB team to start with. And um, yeah, and the goal became a lot more realistic. So that was my dream for a long time. And um, it took me three Olympic cycles to get there, plus a year of COVID. But I eventually made it in 2021. Um, but it wasn't easy. I'm not going to lie, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Lots of life lessons have been learned. And I do artistic gymnastics. So it's all the apparatus. The women do the vault, the bars, the beam and the floor. And I compete for Jamaica now. So, um, yes, yeah. yeah, so I used to compete for Great Britain till I was about... 19 and then started competing for Jamaica in 2015. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I think one of the first uh, times I saw you was when you were competing for Jamaica and you delivered this amazing beam routine, which I think went viral. So we'll definitely get into talking about that. And Kapari, you play tennis, which I have years trying to pretend like I can I could be a professional tennis player (laughs) but unfortunately sadly I'm not I'm not that great but I do enjoy playing and and I absolutely love watching tennis (laughs) one of my favorite sports to play so tell us about yourself and your life as a tennis player okay um so um, I'm Kapari Elizabeth Bagevase. I've been around tennis and other sports um, growing up due to my dad being 
not only a tennis coach, but also an instructor in Taekwondo and other um, sports in his university. Um, so that's how I got into tennis. And I've been playing since I was quite young, but, um, and I've been competing for Ghana as well since I was very young. And even though not living here and not being necessarily part of like the culture, um, being born here gave me that opportunity and the privilege to compete with, uh, for them on an international level. And I've been doing that since I was maybe 10 years old. Um, I played Division One tennis in the US and as well, I just recently um, broke through into the professional field end of 2019 and then COVID happened. So it's been a grind, an uphill grind since then. Congratulations for breaking through to the pros. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, and it's interesting because I was doing a little bit of research prior to having this conversation with both of you. And again, uh, historically, um, both tennis and gymnastics seem to have less Black women participating. But there seems to be a change. I, I read that last year, I think, a record of 12 Black women made up 37% of U.S. women singles. Yeah, it's honestly, it's quite insane how much um there's there's this lack of diversity in a lot of these sports especially gymnastics and tennis um this uh, besides serena and the venus is that i rarely had anyone to look up to when i was playing i just played because i loved it and it just turned out that i was good enough to compete at the level that i was um and i just ran with it um the few role models that i had growing up basically would leave the sport because there was the, obviously the the expenses and keeping up um, at that high level was just too much um, to maintain. Most of them have had parents who would tell them to focus on school because that was much more reliable and you could get a job afterwards. Tennis is a bit of a gamble to be fair. Um, so I'm so happy to hear that more black women and women of color are joining the sports and doing more. And it's just a privilege to be part of that narrative. And Danusha, do you feel the same way? Because I think uh, back in 2012, there was like 3% of black women participating in US gymnastics. And I think there has been an increase, but growing up, did you feel that there was, I don't know who, who you saw on, on TV that inspired you, or if you just kind of loved the sport and didn't really think about race in that context until you got to a certain age? Yeah, I think when I was really young, sort of five and six, you are quite oblivious to race. So when I look back, my role models were white gymnasts. But now, as you say, there's a lot more black women, obviously Simone Biles, everybody knows her. She's a worldwide name now, which is amazing. But before her, Gabby Douglas and um, a lot of the Americans um, are now, um, but not just the Americans. We've got women of colour from all different countries now and it is amazing and it's a true honour for myself to be representing that and also when parents come up to me who have curly haired children or black children oh. and they sort of thank you for inspiring their child and for their child to have someone that looks like them in the sport that like you say was predominantly um, a white sport and especially gymnastics was back in the day very dominated by the eastern european countries mm. so um the USSR, obviously, for years, um, your Nadia Comaneches and everyone like that. So it's really great to see the shift and to be a part of it as well. And what is it that you both love about playing tennis or competing in gymnastics? What's the drive for you to maintain? Even though, as as Kapari said, it it sometimes is a thankless sport in terms of 
funding and money and you know it takes a while to become recognized within within your respective sports just as as uh, you know people who are comparable and and to be respected within within the sport so what what keeps you going um I was just you, saying he was going first <laughs> <laughs> okay um i think I would go first. Um, go for it. I, there, there are a few things. There are a few things that do make me feel appreciated, and I think it's the opportunities it's offered me and my family. Um, due to not having much growing up, it, it's opened a lot of doors for me. So I think that's the reason why I still love it so much. Um, I played it because I loved it, not because I thought I was going to get anything out of it. And I think as an adult, it came back to me, mm. and I just wanted to give myself the grace to follow the dreams that I set for myself as a young kid than giving up on them just because they weren't opportunities. I, I basically just, I think my drive comes from finding um, doors and opportunities where they aren't and being able to open more doors, not just for myself, but for the younger girls behind me who see me in Ghana or anywhere else in the world. And they're like, oh my gosh, I knew you when you were a kid or my mom knew you and they, 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 they said I could be like you. So there are not a lot of them, but, every, but hearing it once is enough for me to be like, you know what, I can do this. <laughs> Obviously, as a child, you're just doing it for the pure love and you just enjoy being there and training and every single thing that the sport has to offer as a child. And obviously it gets a bit tougher, but you just kind of have to take yourself back to why you started it. Um, and then, as Kapari said, also the opportunities that come along with sort of following your dream training hard to reach your gymnastics and tennis goals and then that opens doors along the way and then also very similar to what Kapari said as in competing for Jamaica has been absolutely incredible just since 2015 I've been able to witness the opening of the national facility which is in 2019 I was there at the opening and just seeing so many young kids um, shining and loving the sport that I've loved for so long and now getting to have that opportunity in that in Jamaica and that wasn't something that they had the opportunity to do before sort of myself and the other gymnasts that have competed internationally were able to help blaze the trail and obviously loads of other people behind the scenes are president of Jamaican gymnastics she's great at kind of getting the funding as well um but yeah it's just amazing when you think it just started off as almost an after school hobby and now you've been able to inspire so many young kids um to the point where hopefully one day a homegrown Jamaican gymnast will be on the top of the podium. I 100% I see that happening. So it's really cool. That's amazing. And actually, I didn't even know that we had a gymnastics association. I was born and raised in Jamaica. And I guess similar to both of you have lived elsewhere for a really long time and actually just moved back. And it's, it's interesting that both of you have made the choice to represent a country that you actually don't necessarily live in, but have some connection to, or, you know, that's where your roots are. Danush, are you Jamaican? Like, what was your process in terms of choosing to represent Jamaica, having represented Great Britain previously? Yeah, so my dad is Jamaican and my dad's family. Um, so I was competing for Great Britain and then I was at university in LA at UCLA on a gymnastics scholarship and when I was there it kind of really reignited my love for the sport and I decided I wanted to carry on competing internationally 
so this wasn't really possible for Great Britain because so I kind of looked into my options my mum's family and my mum are Polish and then my dad's Jamaican but always growing up watching the Olympics the Jamaicans always seem to have so much fun charisma <laughs> and I wanted to be a Jamaican athlete just from seeing that so we looked into it and there was one gymnast already competing for Jamaica so we got in touch with them and got the process started from there so I'm actually not close with my dad at all we don't really have a relationship so I um, haven't really grown up um, with much Jamaican culture at all um, but I was always so proud like I said watching the Olympics um, but now competing for Jamaica I feel more Jamaican than ever and I'm just so proud and excited every time I get to wear the flag so it's actually been a way for you to reconnect with your Jamaican roots despite the fact that you as you said you don't have a relationship with your dad and and how how has that been like what's been the process of coming here and people in life I think especially when it comes to sports um, I think sports and education are oftentimes a way of escaping certain realities of being in Jamaica, some of the more difficult, hard things around politics and access to resources and uh, poverty and those kinds of things. So I think, you know, the stories that we get out of our athletes in terms of being able to succeed is something that is quite inspirational to people and it gives them hope. I think, I think my parents were quite pragmatic in, in, in raising me predominantly in like an African sense because um, they knew if I did want to pursue, um, uh, let's say a career out of what I did, I think they knew the safest bet would be for me to compete as a Ghanaian as opposed to any other from um, being like, again, like competing as an English person, having my mom and half of my family being part of the English, um, I guess, community. So I think the motivation was because I wouldn't have to face it's sad to think about it this way but I think especially my dad used to say I I wouldn't have to face having to um prove my Britishness in the predominantly white space whereas as a Ghanaian being born here as well would give me a boost a boost in terms of um competing on international scale I wouldn't have to prove to be so British to be able to represent um England whereas I would have more freedom and more accessibility to being uh competing as a Ghanaian and I in in as an adult now, I see what he means and I think it speaks true and rings true because um, I don't know if I would have had the same opportunities if I, let's say, competed as a British um, national um, growing up. Mm. Do you both feel like your journey has been a little bit different from your maybe white counterparts or just British counterparts in general? I mean, Kapari, you spoke a little bit earlier about whether or not to go by your English name or your Ghanaian name. And Danish, I don't know if when you did represent uh, Great Britain, whether you felt different from your other colleagues or if you found that your journey or some of the challenges that you faced were, were slightly different. So I think I was quite lucky that, so when I was nine, I moved to a gym club in, at Heathrow, so in London. And luckily um, there was quite a mixture of um, ethnicities. So I was actually five of us on the national squad at one point so on the great britain national squad and three of us were actually black so um there was never yeah so there was never a time when um i was kind of like the only black one or anything like that um 
and I think we did stick together and we'd kind of had this banter that yeah so I think it started from a young age as sort of ignorance was bliss and then it started as me and my friends that were on the national squad and we were the better gymnasts say in our club and we happened to be black so it was never actually kind of a negative which I think is very lucky um, and unfortunate for that. It's a bit different in terms of my journey. Um, the, I think the reason why that was a bit more um, on the other side is because the spaces that I moved to were predominantly white. And I think it was also the reason, the reason why it was easier to compete as a Ghanaian because it was cheaper to do that because training in the UK was a lot more expensive as a tennis player than it was. So I ended up training most of the time in South Africa and in Ghana, as opposed to in England, because my parents weren't able to afford the facilities and the coaches and all of that. So I think besides, besides everything I've said, I think it was also a financial decision to have the support of a country that was willing to pay for a lot of things and help support my family when they didn't have the finances to help me move forward with. Yeah, I would have traveled a lot because tennis is a very, um, it's spread out across different countries and continents. So I had to travel a lot and my parents obviously did not have the financial backing to have me do that every other week or every other month to go play a tournament across the ocean. So it was really good to have um, the support of a federation at, at such a young age to help provide for the expenses that my parents couldn't cover. You mentioned, you know, having to travel a lot. And Danusha, I know the training for gymnastics is super intense. Like it demands, it takes a lot of your time, I would imagine. Um, how did becoming involved in such kind of competitive sports where training is such a heavy part of what you do, did that affect, you know, education? Did that affect dating? What's that like for you now? Um, being so, you know, tied to, to such demanding sports? I mean. So for me, when I was nine, as I mentioned, I went to boarding school. So um, this was on a gymnastics scholarship and um, they were obviously very accommodating of the gymnastics. Um, so I was really grateful for that. And it was amazing. Obviously you still had to do all your exams and all your homework. So it's still pretty full on, but also my gymnastics club was great in that they never took us out of school to train, which a lot of clubs um, did and still do do. So um, we would train in the evenings and then we'd also have an evening off in the week. So we usually could get all our schoolwork done and stuff like that. And I always was someone that did want to go to parties and sort of go and enjoy myself and and have a life outside of gymnastics. So somehow I made that work. And when people ask me sort of how, it's hard to really pinpoint exactly how, but I think when you have to do something, you just manage it. You manage to have that time management and those skills where you can juggle everything. Um, I was always a list maker. So I always have a to-do <laughs> list and kind of in priority order. And I always get it done. So I think that would be my top tip for anyone that has a full-on schedule whatever age you are whether you're still in school and I still do it to this day um and then dating wise I would say yeah you are you're held back to some degree um but I never felt like oh I really am missing out and then obviously once I got to university um it's a lot more there's a lot more kind of parties and socializing there um because right. my boarding school was all girls um and obviously I trained mainly girls as well 
um and then now I'm engaged so oh, well, <laughs> still good did you <laughs> thank meet you. your fiance <laughs> thank you is he a British or is he from US UCLA is he American give us the give us so the... he's um British but he's actually half Jamaican as well oh amazing yeah <laughs> I like him already and I don't even know him <laughs> he's a good one <laughs> And is he an athlete? I mean, have you been able to date outside of the athlete's arena or? So he's actually an osteopath and he slid in my DMs. So that's how we met. <laughs> and I guess with sort of social media and online dating and stuff like that, it, you're kind of, you kind of have this access to everyone in a way. Um, and then obviously when you've got a, a little bit of a platform, more people see you. So you get more DMs. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and I guess as an osteopath, he can help in terms of your injuries and he doubles as a, as a professional aid, right? Yeah, I've got it. I've got it all right, I think. <laughs> I'm ticking so, all the boxes. <laughs> Kapari, what's it been like for you? Oh, um, it's quite similar as well, because I, I got a scholarship into a boarding school when I was basically 10, 11. So I was also in an environment that prioritized like tennis in school. So I didn't really have that much of a social life in terms of going out, hanging out with friends who weren't tennis players or other athletes. Um, luckily, mine was a co-ed. So I did have like guy friends and girlfriends, um, but I didn't really date much because I don't know, like I think at that age, I was so focused on doing what I needed to do and like just pass classes and get to tournaments. And I didn't really think about dating, I think. Um, my social life kind of expanded when I did, uh, when I ended up in university. Um, and even then, I think I prioritized so much of tennis in school. It was mainly just around other tennis players, other athletes. And um, yeah, so I would say there hasn't been much that has changed. Most of the focus is just on training and working and just getting myself recovered and prepared um I don't have much of a social life but I'm quite happy with it because I'm doing what I love um so that's 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 the gist of it funny because we I think we met in London as an event right so I'm assuming that was one of your like few nights out <laughs> that's actually true uh, I've been looking forward to that event for such a long time because outside of being an athlete I do have other dreams and goals as well so just being in that environment like stimulated my creative juices and being part of like a black community that was so keen and so intellectual and so special it made me so happy so yeah that was my one time I was like oh my gosh I have to go shout out to love of culture and Victoria for hosting the most amazing um, arts and literary events that are in London um, she's great and she's also part of our dope black women group big up to them yeah big up to them but you made a really good point actually which is kind of outside dreams because I think for athletes there's always like much like for women I guess when you think about this like biological clock that's ticking mm -hmm. there is a body clock that's ticking for both of you in terms of your capacity to perform after a certain age right and that age is relatively young for for sports particularly for your sports for tennis and for um for gymnastics do you have outside dreams do you work on those at the same time yes um can you hear me I have to yeah. check every time now <laughs> okay um 
Yes, um, I I love and I love tennis, and that's what my my ultimate goal and passion lies. That's where my ultimate goal and passion lies, and I hope that all my dreams do come. But outside of that, I do um um I I aspire to be a writer one day. I would like to work in sustainability as well, and it's just a dream of mine to be part of the academic world. Um, anyone who knows me knows I'm quite a huge um scholastic buff I like being in um, academic environments and passing on knowledge sharing knowledge and learning all that I can about the world so that's like one of my dreams to be in you know a writer a teacher just any way that I can stimulate my brain outside of just hitting tennis balls is just a massive dream of mine um I as you know um for the culture I'm I've been part of different artistic um, events in my time in university and outside of university, being part of poetry, um, writing, art. And so I just, I think my interests vary a lot, but I do know where my direction lies. And I'm glad I get to work side by side. Most of the time, when I do get the opportunity, I take it to work on my other craft as well as being a tennis player. Danusha, what about you? What is the, what is the timeline for a... Uh a gymnast actually I'm not really sure what age you stop competing at generally and what what do you have plans like what's your tenure yeah um first of all I want to say Kapari I just loved how you spoke about your dreams just then and how there was like more than one and it just sounded like you were so passionate and I just felt like this girl's definitely going to do it so keep like I don't know just something in your voice just made me sort of happy I just felt like you, you can achieve anything you put your mind to and I've only just <laughs> spoke to you for a few minutes so yeah anyway <laughs> um so for gymnastics it's kind of been historic that it's such a young sport the narrative is slightly shifting and it's really cool for myself at 27 to kind of be a part of that so growing up it was always known that whichever Olympics you were first eligible so in gymnastics you are eligible from 16 to go see Olympics um, that was your opportunity so whether you turned 16 or 19 the Olympic year that was your opportunity your sort of one shot so for really? me that was 2012 yeah wow. and I was going to be 18 that year and growing up I was like I'm either going to make it or I'm not and I kind of like had that in my head and then going off to UCLA and obviously doing the sport for longer than I'd planned because I'd always thought I was going to retire at 18 um whether I'd made the Olympics or not and then my mind was open to the universities in America which is such an unbelievable opportunity I had the time of my life yeah. um, you're competing and performing in front of thousands sort of 10,000 people every weekend and I just loved it and again um, as I mentioned earlier that was why I then decided to go back into international competitions and then from there I never put that sort of time limit on myself and um, decided like why should I only have that one shot at the Olympics when I'm still just as good a gymnast and actually a better competitor after doing the college route in America so that was when I went for my next two Olympic cycles and um, finally made it and then managed to get some jobs in stunts so um, I was in the Wonder Woman movie as a stunt double for one of the Amazons and then I was in a Netflix movie and just a few other things along the way so um, I thanks I didn't really see myself um in that career but sometimes when a door opens that's like that's a sign so um I'm kind of pursuing that now obviously I've got well I've got an injury at the moment 
Um, I've torn my ACL so I just had surgery last week so that I also do coaching and I'll always have some part in gymnastics so probably a long-term goal of mine would be to open a gym and then also to be able to bring um, some gymnasts over from Jamaica as well and have them train here whether it's in my gym or whether it's in a gym that I'm coaching at and also to go over to Jamaica and help to coach there and just help the sport to continue to grow um, in Jamaica so I would say those are sort of my um, goals obviously along with marriage and kids eventually I would like to have. <laughs> Dope and congratulations yeah it's crazy that uh, being a gymnast would lead you into kind of being a stunt double but as long as you're enjoying it that sounds like a pretty dope kind of um, career to segue into. Yeah so cool it's a open my eyes it's a whole whole different job but obviously gymnastics and and tennis and any high level sport really prepares you for so many things in life and you don't even realize how many life lessons you're learning because it's just your norm but you're learning so much valuable things along the way oh sorry I was just mesmerized um um, I was honestly (laughs) so gassed (laughs) when she said stand up (laughs) I was like oh my gosh but um (laughs) it's just is everything she said I just kept on nodding and nodding and I was like yes 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 everything because at the end of the day um I, I would like to go back to the thing you said about having a clock put on you um we could talk on and on about just the sports and being successful as a woman of color or being from a country that um doesn't really have much representation on the global scale and I get asked that question so often um like oh do you think you still got this and how are you going to do it? How are you going to push yourself? And people, I just think it's so great to hear what uh, Denisha said about regardless of being being a certain age, if you still push through. Um, for example, being in the US helped you gain that love for it is the same thing that happened for me because I didn't think I would have the opportunity after I was done with um, my time in the US because I got injured as well on my senior year. And just having that, push and having that motivation helped me um that's an interesting question I think at the time when you're doing something whether it's sort of helping young gymnasts or um yeah whatever it might be you're not sort of thinking oh what is this gonna lead to in the future as in a legacy um so I've never really thought I've never planned anything for it to be a legacy but I think if I was to look at myself in the future or even like way into the future when I'm gone um I would just want people to think of me as a great performer and obviously the gymnastics is one thing but I just love the performance side of it and kind of connecting with fans and audience members um, and then along with that just um inspiring black gymnasts black athletes black females um to also pursue their dreams, whether they're sports dreams, whether they're completely different. But it's really cool to me when you have people that are nothing to do with gymnastics that reach out to you and they've been inspired by you in some way. Um, I received a message one time while well, he actually contacted my coach. This was when I was at university in America and um, said how he was so inspired by my gymnastics performances that he um, had lost, I think it was like around 10 stone to become a fan. Yeah, so it's just so cool to be able to touch people in that way. 
I mean, yeah, that's amazing. And I think already you've done so much just by being one of the few visible Jamaican gymnasts. I mean, I, I think I was here when your beam performance went viral and everybody was just so excited and everybody was talking about it we were I think we shared it on the dope black woman page as well no I was just agreeing with you I was like yeah I think it was shared on the group chat yeah yeah I'm sure we had a conversation about it right because it's it's something that you never get to see I mean and for tennis as well we've had Kapari for you I don't know how many women uh, Ghanaian players there are either or even ma- male Ghanaian tennis players actually yeah um it's quite unfortunate um to to even think about because there aren't a lot that we the, the potential is there most of them have to either back down at the age of 18 19 to make the choice to either pursue it or go to school or find something else to do quote-unquote with their lives just because there is no support so there are there used to be a few that were up and coming when I was growing up, but most of them no longer compete anymore. Um, I only know a few Caribbean girls on tour. Yeah, that's that's interesting because that kind of dispels the myth. You know, most people I think would say, "Oh, we don't see them because nobody's interested," which I think is far from the truth. I know so many girls that want to become gymnasts when they get older, and I cert- I mean, I certainly know loads of black women who love playing tennis even if they don't play professionally who actually love playing so it's not that they're not interested it's just literally the lack of opportunity right it's not just say black in west and south africa or on the african continent but i have the same conversation with other um athletes from developing countries around the globe Mm -hmm. um i have peers in north africa who are struggling with the same things i'm struggling with we talk about it constantly we're trying to find ways to make it more accessible even simple things like traveling to other countries because of your passport is an issue. You know, if you're from a certain part of the world, just traveling to another country to compete is such a hassle. You have to get so many documents verified. By the time you're ready to go, you're already broke. How are you going to take care of yourself when you get there? It's really, really disheartening, but it is what it is. (laughs) So, I mean, following on from that, what, what would you say is the most important thing in terms of making sure that Black women athletes have access or have opportunities in your respective sports, both for gymnastics and for tennis? Well, I think kind of what Kapari and myself are doing, like having older people in the sport who are making it happen, because say if there's someone that is at that age where they have to decide whether they're going to just concentrate on their education or whether they can pursue their dreams of their sport if there's literally no one that they've ever known that's done it they might not have that that just that extra bit of grit and determination to be that first person and it's so scary if there's no one that's done it before so if they can see someone else that they can slightly relate to whether they're from the exact same country or or a different country with similar struggles then that's that's it that shows them that it can be done where there's more people interested then you can get a bit more funding and you can have more facilities opening and hopefully more schools will get to start doing it in their PE lessons and stuff like that so obviously here in Britain we're introduced to a lot of these sports in PE so then it's just a lot more straightforward that oh I enjoyed that in PE you tell your parents and then they can inquire but if they're not sort of even getting those opportunities then 
they wouldn't even really know about it at a young age and then they might not even start at obviously a lot of these sports to get to a higher level you need to start young so yeah getting it really at that grassroots level and then also having those role models to look up to and to know that they can make it okay uh so i just wanted to add on to what Alicia said about um the opportunities that are being offered um every time i do let's say for example i travel back to Ghana, i partner up with foundations and communities and schools to do programs and workshops and just activities that bring school kids into like the tennis arena um, introduce them to what tennis is like and most of the time I just want them to enjoy it I don't really care about where they take tennis but making it accessible for kids especially girls to be able to compete and play as much as they need to and just to explore other things outside of just being um, one-dimensional people and I when I was growing up it, it was great to be an academic or a very studious girl but I, I loved school but I also loved other things and I'm grateful my parents allowed me to explore that and I want to pass on that opportunity just beyond competing as a professional athlete but as just being a multi-dimensional young individual as well. I think that's quite a fitting way to end the conversation. Um, there is one thing that we ask all of our guests um, which people usually shy away from, but this is one, it's the one opportunity that you have to really like gas yourselves. And, <laughs> and we like to create moments where people can love on themselves. So the question is, what makes you a dope black woman? So what makes me a dope black woman is my grit, my determination, my curly hair and my brown skin and my willingness to help others, especially the younger generation. Yeah, that's dope. Oh, and it's pretty dope to be a stunt woman. <laughs> it is pretty fucking dope to be a stunt woman. <laughs> wow, I love that. I love everything of that. Thank you. <laughs> oh gosh, um, what makes me a dope black woman is my relentlessness. Um, my ability to be able to be part of the community and thrive for the best for my community. Um, what makes me dope as a black woman is like you said, my skin and my ability to be able to transform into whoever I want to and just be great at it. Oh, yes. I feel like, I feel like there's so many things I want to say that are dope about myself, but most importantly, I think what makes me dope is my compassion and my love for my people. And mm. they would always have a special place in my heart and everything that I do at the end of the day, it might be for me, but people don't know that I do it for my community as well across the diaspora and everywhere else in the world. So, yeah. Yes, say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ladies, that's so amazing. You've given me like goosebumps and made me feel really good about this conversation. It's been so lovely hearing both of you just kind of share your stories with us. And I'm sure it will be extremely inspirational for not just other aspiring athletes, but just other women who, as you said, want to be themselves and want to kind of try something new, but they might be scared to. And so I think just both of you are examples of going for your dreams no matter how outrageous they seem to everyone else and so thank you for sharing your stories I really appreciate it thank oh, you so much thank you for having us and I do want to say one thing 
we love yeah, yeah, yeah. want to say that I was following your story during the Olympics in Asia and I wanted to big you up so bad but my computer was such a liability I, I you have no idea <laughs> how much like it means to see it I think I got emotional and stuff but I'm not trying to make you feel uh-huh. so uncomfortable but I really <laughs> no, that's so sweet honestly every <laughs> single person I've heard it from like it every single person it means something to me because it wasn't easy but I also knew like how important it was as well like the same message we've been saying for those gymnasts back in Jamaica to see or the whole Caribbean the whole world really to see someone that's tried so hard to reach their dreams and had to go through that but to still have a smile and still enjoy the moment so thank you so much. I just said thank you, uh, Leanne, and this was such a like such a great platform and keep it going. So big up to you as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, big up Leanne. I've really enjoyed this, and I'm definitely going to be following Kapari and her journey in tennis. My mum's a huge tennis fan. She probably wishes I did tennis myself. <laughs> so I'll have to introduce you to her, and she'll become yes. a huge supporter of yours as well, as well as I me. I love that. I love that. So thanks so much, everyone who is listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. On Twitter and Facebook, we're Dope Black Woman. And on Instagram, we're Dope Black Woman One. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, stay blessed and unapologetically Black. All the way Black. Blackity Black. Black-tastic. Black-tastic.